Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Paul Catalina alongside former Cowboys quarterback Danny White. And we're brought to you by Bet Online. We're back in better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, to receive your bonus from basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And, and Danny, off the bye week and a very interesting matchup in a Vikings team that is three and three. Uh, they played early in the season without their star Dalvin Cook, uh, although Alexander Madison filled in well for him. They've been a little bit up and down, but it seems to me that the Vikings are finding their footing and they present some interesting bad matchups defensively for the Cowboys who are not great against the run and the Vikings are darn good at running the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that, that they got they got a similar one-two punch uh, to what the Cowboys have with Elliott and Pollard. They have Cook and Madison, and uh, where the where the Cowboys let's see the Cowboys are fifth uh, and fifty-fourth in terms of yards, sixteenth uh, and thirty-third are, are the Vikings. You know, in Cook and Madison, so really, really interesting kind of dynamics going into this game. And the same thing with the receivers. You know, Jefferson, Thielen, and Osborne, the Vikings are, are right up there. They're in terms of receptions, 10th, 18th, and 56th. Yards, 9th, 34th, and 56th in the league. Those are pretty darn good numbers, and they're spreading it around pretty nicely, which is going to make it really difficult for the Cowboys to, you know, to load up and try to stop one guy. Yeah, and look, just the the game before the bye, you saw Damian Harris with the Patriots run pretty much to the middle of the Cowboys' defense into the teeth of it uh, pretty successfully. And no knock on Damian Harris. He's a fine player, and I think he's going to have a great career. But Dalvin Cook is a different animal. He is one of the top, you know, three to four uh, backs in the league. He he and, you know, Zeke Elliott kind of live on that that same plane of where they're just different than most guys and uh, not someone that you want to face when you're struggling stopping the run because, you know, while you might be able to stop a guy like Damian Harris from breaking a 50-yard run, 
Dalvin Cook is the guy who breaks those, who makes those big plays when you're not, you know, stopping the run on, you know, four yards, five yards, six yards, and then pop. That's what Dalvin Cook can do. Yeah, Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott are two peas in a pot. I mean, you're not going to wear them down. Uh, they they will run. Oh, Zeke will be on his thirty third carry of the day, still saying "feed me, feed me," you know. And and uh, Dalvin Cook, same same kind of guy, cut right out of the same cloth. And and so the Cowboys are not going to be able to wear him down. And when they do, they stick Madison in there, and they don't drop off very much. Just like the Cowboys don't drop off when they stick Pollard in. The thing with Pollard, it's almost for the Cowboys is. It, it's it's almost a bigger challenge for the defenses because Pollard has become such a threat catching the football. Mm. And so when Pollard comes in the game, the defense can't say, okay, let's pin our ears back, let's go after Dak because they're going to throw the ball. Um, and it's not true like it used to be. And so Pollard comes in, same kind of a threat, same kind, kind of uh, receiving threat that Ezekiel is, if not even a better one. Does that maybe help neutralize the Vikings pass rush, which is which is very good? Uh, and I believe, like you, you, I think we said before we started, that they are leading the league uh, in, in sacks right now, the Vikings are, and getting back uh, to the quarterback. Does that maybe help neutralize that, that Dak has those dump-offs to Zeke and, and, and Pollard? To- totally. Uh, that's... We always say the quarterback's best friend or a passing game, to be more correct, the passing game's best friend is a great running game, just like the offense's best friend is a great defense. So, yeah, the, the fact that Pollard can come in and run the game and run the ball, and, of course, we know what Zeke can do, um, definitely will slow that down. The Vikings, 9.3% of the time, of the time that the, def- the the opponent drops back, they get a sack. 9.3% of the time, that's huge. And uh, so that's something that the Cowboys are going to have to do it. And they don't do it with smoke and mirrors. I mean, it's those front four guys coming at you. And, um, yeah, the Cowboys need to be on their best game now. They're getting a couple of guys back that might help just a little bit um, in that regard. But having coming off the bye week, both teams – um, you know, it's going to be kind of a restart mm. for these two weeks is a long time when you get into that rhythm. And, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see early in the game if the Cowboys and the Vikings are holding up to their same kind of philosophy, the run pass uh, mix and all of that. Yeah, and the, the Cowboys, I don't know if Michael Gallup's going to play this week, but it looks like they'll have Kelvin Joseph available for probably special teams and maybe some, you know, every defensive back on the field kind of coverage thing, but I don't think you'll see much of him on defense. So I uh, get to see the second round draft pick for the first time this year. Maybe Michael Gallup. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, that's probably another week or so, but he's coming back. Uh, Tristan Hill is coming back, which uh, they'll need that rotation since they lost Brent urban. Uh, but the other guy that's coming back, that's created an interesting situation. Danny is Lyle Collins is back. And currently now, this could change on Sunday night, but currently he is the backup at right tackle and the backup at left guard. He has not just gone back in as the starting right tackle, which is an interesting thing to happen coming off of a suspension that most years the Cowboys would have been like, please come back, suspension, like there's no... But now they, 
because of how well Terrence Steele has played, it's allowed the Cowboys to reassess what they're doing on the offensive line. Isn't that an interesting um, reversal in terms of the tone coming out of the Cowboys camp? Uh, you know, what a, what a great thing it is getting Lyle back and uh, we've needed him and it's yeah. Brendan, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's Wally Pip, the Wally Pip story all over again. We talk about it all the time. And, and, um, you know, Lyle, who, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of the, the phrase buzz term going around the Ford center in Frisco, Texas. Um, and that is absolutely a great problem to have. So to have a guy of Lyle Collins ability to play both guard and tackle both right and left, to to come off the bench if they need him to or to start is is a, just a great problem to have and I think it's one that the Cowboys will exploit. Yeah, I I'm curious to see what Joe Philbin's overall mission is here or that the end game is for doing this. And part of it is is that uh, if you had to pick a thing that's struggling on the Cowboys right now offensively, it would be center and guard is where they 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 feel that they're defer I say center and guard center and left guard right guard doesn't struggle at all in anything I mean he's the best there is in football but uh, but center and left guard and if you plug Lyle Collins in there at left guard it might take some of that pressure off of the center and he played left guard when he came in the league and Ron Leary was hurt before they kicked him over to right tackle so he's got experience there he's a big body he wants to play tackle he is he has become a very good tackle but uh, if they can have him be a, a, a good guard a better guard than Connor Williams or they start shaking things up if they've got their best five out there that's pretty lethal and I'm sure that uh, Dak and Zeke and Tony Pollard and everybody else will love that you know, I, I think maybe the the thing that nobody's talking about right now that it might be a bigger concern for the Cowboys than any of that stuff is the, our left tackle and how healthy is Tyron Smith because uh, he was showing some signs last week or in the last game um, of, of struggling a little bit uh, with, with the neck and now some other things. And he's been in and out, and you see him limping off the field. And he's not a guy that takes himself out of a game um, for no reason. So if, if when he says he's hurt, he's hurt, and it must be something pretty bad. So uh, I'm going to be watching that pretty closely as well. Yeah, and that that might be another thing that Lyle Collins will have to do is yeah. is kick out over there because again, you want your best five out there and. Uh, you know, I know they have Ty Neshke that's there and available as well, but we haven't seen him this year. Terrence Steele's entrenched as the right guard. He's, he's played excellent, and I think it it maybe um, feeds into the overall vibe of unselfishness this team has that a guy like Terrence Steele can step in, and they're rewarding him for all the work he did in the offseason to get better and to overcome the deficiency he had because he did not have a great year last year, but he was an undrafted rookie thrown into the fire uh, I, I like that they can do that, and this team is not fractured chemistry-wise because it starts everybody is unselfish, whether it's backs, receivers. This team has a that vibe right now of whatever it takes to, to get these Ws. Yeah, and I want to throw out one, one more number, and I want, to talk, I want to follow up on that unselfishness word that you threw, threw in there. It's a pretty big word. Um, and and that is that in the last three games, the Cowboys uh, Cowboys are sixth in the league at protecting the quarterback, and that is sack percentage. In other words, the 
percentage of sacks they give up um, in terms of pass attempts, sixth at 4%. In the last three weeks, that number is 1.8%. Um, the Rams lead the league at 28 The Cowboys, the last three weeks, um, have played at 1.8% in protecting Dak. That That's a number that, uh, you, you know, we always talk about where they are in terms of, of the season since the start of the season. But when you look at the last three games and where they're trending, I think that that compounds the problem the Vikings are going to have. And, yeah, they're, we talk about their pass rush and how they're leading the league in – sacks and getting to the quarterback the cowboys also are leading the league in protecting the quarterback especially in the last three weeks so boy this is this is going to be a heck of a battle uh we're going to be watching up front in the in the pits in the trenches uh where it should be that's where the games are won and lost anyway this one this one maybe more than most but let me let me i want to follow up on that unselfishness thing the great teams that you've seen in the in in history are are teams where the leaders um the the main point getters the leading passer the leading receiver the leading rusher are unselfish team players you see this not in just in football you see it in all team sports you see it in basketball those two teams that you know played last year for the championship i watched that championship series you talk about a bunch of unselfish guys and that's what made it so much fun for me to watch. Well, football is even more so that way. And and by that, what I mean is Dak has to be willing to give up some of his some of his stats, some of his numbers. Whereas last year when he got hurt, he was number one in completions and attempts. This year he's twelfth and twenty second. Okay, so not throwing as much. Not getting putting up the numbers, not getting all the attention. Although he is second in the league behind um, Kyler Murray in in completion percentage, it's at over seventy three percent, which is un- unbelievable. The completion and attempts numbers, I think, tells you how balanced this team is. So twelfth in completions, twenty second in attempts, fourth in quarterback rating, fourth. So. Uh, and and then you look over at Cousins, seventh in completions, twelfth in attempts, uh, seventh in percentage, twelfth in yards, and eighth in. He's got a one hundred five point four quarterback rating, eighth in the league. So these are two quarterbacks that are not too shabby and who are very unselfish because they're middle of the pack in terms of completions and attempts, but they're at the top in terms of of completion percentage and touchdown passes and rating running backs, you know, Elliot, let's see, Elliot is sixth and fifth in terms of attempts and yards, Pollard 31st and 54th. So there's, they got two guys um, that are right at the top of the league in terms of carrying the ball. Whereas the Vikings cook is 17th in attempts and Madison is 26th. Cook is 16th in yards, and Madison is 33rd. Receiving, they got Jefferson in terms of receptions. 10th, Thielen, 18th, Osborne, 56th, Cowboys. Cooper, 41st, Lamb, 30th, Schultze, 38th. 
You know, where would we have been looking at Dalton Schultz as leading Amari Cooper in terms of receptions? Yeah. Uh, this kind of year that Dalton Schultz is having. So, that, you know, that's a lot of stats that I just read off and apologize for that. But it, it indicates the balance that both of these teams have. You know, when you're looking for that edge, what's going to set one apart? I, I don't know. I, I haven't found it yet unless it's travel. And travel's not a big deal when you're coming off a bye. So this this just on paper, and I always have to emphasize that because the game's not played on paper, as we all know. But on paper, this just looks like a, a mammoth um, co- competition between these two teams on the field. They are so evenly matched. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and uh, you know, I kind of think when you talk about the unselfishness or the, the not being all on the quarterback, if you look at historically just the Cowboys – you know, just at the Cowboys, at the best eras in the history of the Cowboys where they were playing in and winning Super Bowls. Yes, they had or and, and NFC championships and everything. When they were getting to that level, yes, the quarterbacks were playing at elite levels, whether it was Roger or Don Meredith or you or, or Troy Aikman and now Dak Prescott, but it wasn't all about what you guys were doing. It was about what everybody could do it was about the distribution it was about balance and you talked about those football gods and the cowboys have been so far out of whack of that in the last 25 years where everything is on one thing well you know it's all on the the quarterback has to win this game for us or the the quarterback has to be doing well the quarterback has to get these yards and and that's what i think was very unfair to tony romo because they they just would kind of throw Tony like tony go make a miracle happen well Sometimes yeah. you can, sometimes you can't. And, you know, there were just so many other deficiencies. This Cowboys team doesn't – it's not all about, hey, Dak, please go make something happen. It's like, okay, here's the plan. We have, you know, a ton of weapons out here, and, and every one of them is going to get fired. Well, here, here's the difference from a quarterback standpoint. Um, D- Dak will always remain – focused on his philosophy okay his reads by that what i mean is he doesn't have to shift gears mentally from a uh uh you know keep us in the game to a catch-up mode where he has to get the yardage in chunks he has to get it to a certain guy he's got one or two guys to get the ball to that can make plays he doesn't have that problem he, he's got five or six guys now that he can get to get the ball to that can make plays that will change the game. That will make be a difference in the game. And what you talk about taking the pressure off the quarterback. Um, he doesn't force balls into double triple coverage. Uh, I threw a ball to drew at the end of the, the Falcons game in the playoffs. That was in the quintuple coverage. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Is that five? Yeah, five, yeah. <laughs> we, we, you take a picture of when he caught the ball, and there are five There are five Atlanta Falcons around him and no Cowboys. Um, you know, that's that's throwing the ball under pressure. Those are not good odds. And um, had that ball gotten intercepted, I'd, I'd have been looking for a new home probably. <laughs> so, so that's the kind of a player that Drew was and his ability to make plays. But sh- – but it's not a good thing for the team. And and right now, Dak has the luxury of being able to get the ball in the hands of one of four or five or six guys that can all turn a short pass into a big play. Yeah. I, I think back to just, what, seven, eight years ago when 
Des Bryant was the Cowboys' number one target and, and a fantastic elite receiver that he was, but there were games where they, they would not get him involved early when they were playing good teams, and it was it became this pressure to get Des Bryant the ball because you're, you've got this weapon that you're not using. You've got this great receiver that, for some reason, they're just not getting the ball to. Now, I don't even think that there's pressure to get the ball to anyone at any point in the game as long as everything's working as because or if something's not working it's like well okay plan b plan b's not working plan c something's going to work because you mentioned six guys that can you know that can win matchups yeah and one of the things we're watching we're actually witnessing firsthand uh live and in living color is is the maturation of cd lamb um in being a guy, whereas last year, uh, you talked about getting the game started in the right way and getting players involved in the game. There's a, there's another thing that's that can be a big problem if you have temperamental players who are selfish, who are more concerned with their own numbers than they are with the team's numbers. I'm, I'm seeing C.D. Lamb become that guy that if he doesn't get a ball in the first quarter, if he only gets one target or no targets in the first quarter, he's not going to go in the tank. We're not going to go walking up down the, the bench looking for him because he's hiding under a coat somewhere because he's pouting. Uh, that was the C.D. Lamb of last year. He's grown out of that, and I, I it's been amazing to watch it. It's a great thing to see, but – uh, and that's one of the reasons – that's what makes me say the C.D. Lamb is on track to becoming one of the great wide receivers in the history of the game because you never know whether a player is going to develop that or not. Mm-hmm. You don't know if he'll ever come out of that me-first mode. There are some guys playing in the league today that are considered elite receivers that I will tell you are still in that mode. And if they don't break out of it, they'll they'll never emerge when the when the dust settles um, as as elite quarterbacks in this league long term. But that's what the great ones did you know, all the way from Jerry Rice to Drew Pearson. They were guys that uh, didn't have to have the ball. They weren't screaming in the huddle. I'm open. Throw me the ball. They just fit into the to the game plan, whatever it was. And C.D. Lamb is becoming that guy, and that's going to be scary for defenses. And now you got Amari Cooper, who's not an old guy. <laughs> Amari Cooper's got a few really good years left in him, and and the two of them just uh, oh, by the way, here's here's Dalton Schultz and. And, you know, along comes these other guys that can also burn you if you don't pay attention to them. Yeah, I've become a huge Cedric Wilson fan as too, too Danny. And, of course, he's a guy that every team needs someone who's going to be the gunner and who's going to – who can maybe go block a punt and run a trick play and all these different things. And then and then just in, in a – you know, in the basic sense of being a wide receiver, go make a play and get first downs. That's what he's been in, in score. The most, most important play of the game, yeah. you know, in the last game was that fourth down catch that he made. And, and um, yeah, oh, oh, by the way, not only is he just a special teams player, he can he can make fourth down plays when the, with the game on the line if we need him to. <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah, I remember a few years ago, the Cowboys were on this run of drafting all these Boise State guys, whether it was started with Orlando Skandrick and then, of course, Kellen Moore, their offensive coordinator is a Boise State guy. Cedric Wilson's a Boise State guy. Leighton Vander Esch, Boise State guy. Tyrone Crawford, who just retired, Boise State guy. Then all these Boise State guys. Part of the reason is that's how Boise State plays. That's what they do. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, you see it translating for Cedric Wilson of the – what do I need to do? 
Coach. <laughs> well, yeah, it? the Cowboys found a little a little honey hole up there in <laughs> yeah. Boise, Idaho, that nobody knew about for a while. But I think everybody's caught on. It's harder and harder. Gil Brandt used to make a living doing that with the small schools, and uh, it's a little bit more difficult to do that nowadays. Yeah, I know. Yeah, there it is. See, there's no well. Everybody does. Everybody's copied Gil and grown it out since then you know gil was the only guy who was doing that who was going to to find guys like drew pearson at tulsa and uh i mean rayfield wright like that that story will never get to me pearson who was a basketball player you know and and that was the other thing gil was so good at was finding basketball players and converting them into to football players and uh we've got a number of guys i can't tell you how valuable preston pearson was to us Mm Uh, coming out of the backfield, catching balls. But uh, that was one of the things that Gil did that separated us from the rest of the league. Yeah. Now, I know you mentioned that that Drew never demanded the ball, but he was pretty good at the power of suggestion, wasn't he? Like, hey, if you just look over here. But you trusted him so much, though. Like, he was – like, you didn't really have to worry about him, did you? No, no, you didn't. He was always there. Mm-hmm. He was just there. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here if you need me. And uh, by the time I came along, Roger kind of broke him in. And then <laughs> by the time I came along, he was uh, he was a very, uh, very well broken NFL broken wide receiver, if you will. And uh, he didn't he didn't need much from anybody. He just was there. And when you were standing in the pocket. Uh, and didn't have any place to go with the ball, and the world is crashing in around you literally. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's an 88 down there. Maybe I'll throw it that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so when when you needed him, he was there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he he actually came and, and spoke for us at our academic all stars banquet a few years ago, and it was I was fired. Like I wanted to go back to high school. I was so fired up with <laughs> with Drew uh, and uh, and what he had to say. But he wasn't. But that was that was. But the unselfishness, and I know we keep coming back to this, but that that is a theme throughout. I, mean, I know the '90s Cowboys were were a little bit different than you guys in that they were in a different era and they were rock stars and they had guys like Michael Irvin and they, that was a wild bunch of guys uh, that did things. Yeah. But ultimately, though, it was all in service of getting the ring of getting the super of of hoisting the Lombardi trophy so it didn't matter I mean Troy Aikman you have people debating whether his numbers bear out being him being in the Hall of Fame because they didn't have to throw that much because they were so dominant running the ball but uh that that's the 90s Cowboys you guys obviously different different eras but the the theme was the same it's all about that Lombardi trophy and everything else doesn't matter to work itself out on the back end yeah and 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 you don't ever have to apologize for bringing up unselfishness too many times, hopefully for the Cowboys sake, we will be bringing it up, um, you know, 10 weeks from now mm-hmm. uh, with the playoffs looming and the season on the line. And they're still in that mode. The Cowboys are still in that mode of being unselfish and uh, you know, who's going to win the game for us this week. And, and um, just, let's just hope that we're still bringing it up uh, at the end of the year. You know, what's, what's, uh, you know, you say, does it, people can ask, does it come from the head coach? I think the head coach, the coaches can only do so much when it comes to that kind of attitude on a team. I think it's mostly up to the guys themselves to decide that. It has, it has to get transferred. It has to transfer from the head coach. The philosophy gets set, dictated by the head coach. 
it has to pass from that from to the field and to do that it has to go right straight through the locker room and and what you do is is you identify captains you identify leaders and then you empower them and this is what tom landry was a master of he would not only draft players or pick players or build his team out of players like that that had a team first mentality and when i look back at those teams of the late 70s and early 80s I, I can't think of a player on those teams that had a me-first attitude because they were just brought along by the previous generation. You know, when I first walked into the practice field and saw Leroy Jordan out lifting weights, you know, and Roger and these guys, Drew, and how hard they were working, I wanted to be just like them. And I just kind of got in line and just followed their example. And at some point, you, you can lose that if, if you don't have the right ratio balance of veterans versus rookies or young players, um, experienced guys versus versus young, inexperienced guys. Um, and, and it's harder and harder to do that today with the turnover. Uh, you got so many players going from one team to another in the offseason that it's hard to create that. It was a lot earlier for us back then, and those were the guys that I just mentioned, Leroy. Jethro Pugh, Robert Newhouse, D.D. Lewis, Cliff Harris, Charlie Waters. You, you know, these are guys that, man, I was just, my head was on a swivel. I was spinning watching guys when I walked into the locker room. Oh, that's that's Charlie Waters over there, man. That's that's Robert Newhouse over there, guy I played against in college, and um, just guys that I wanted to be like. And uh, so that's something that gets, is harder and harder to build today than it was back then. Yeah, it is. That's why it has to be guys like Dak and Zeke, the guys who are you know are going to be there a long time. It's got to be the quarterback, the guy who's in, in the big money contract. He's got to be the one who sets it down because he's the one who's going to be that through line where all the other guys are going to kind of come and go. And, yeah. and that Dak certainly does that. Coach Landry was a master of finding players, Coach Landry's philosophy was one of you beat you beat your opponent with you outwork them, you outstudy them, you outpractice them. Um, it's not that you just go out and draft great athletes, bigger, stronger, faster guys, and then throw them out on the football field. And so he got players that fit that philosophy. And and uh, you you know you would not have been able to field a team if if you if you measured players today or back then like they do today. Uh, with the combine, which didn't exist back then, and all that sort of stuff. Most of the Cowboys players, and the guys I just mentioned, Leroy, Dede, Cliff, Jethro, House, were too small, too slow to play in the National Football League. You never would have made a successful team up out of those guys. But under Coach Landry's philosophy of study, work, work ethic, um, you know, discipline, those kind of things, these guys were, were the best. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it's hard to measure that at the, at the combine. And until they figure out a way to measure the size of the human heart and the work ethic and those, all those intangibles guys like Drew Pearson and Cliff Harris will continue to fall through the cracks. Yeah, that's very true. All right. To the game this week, Danny, when it comes down to it, in my mind, it is which defense is going to make the other quarterback make a mistake that that swings the game. I think that because if you look at it and we've talked about it, these are very offensively, especially 
evenly matched teams. There, I mean, you know, most teams yeah. would trade. If you said, look, you, you want our skill players and like you want this offense, most teams in the league would say, absolutely. Yes, please give those those guys to us. I know Kirk Cousins can be kind of much maligned and in fan circles in the league, but but he's a very, very, very steady quarterback, and he has his moments, but he he's be getting better and better, and now that he's got weapons, it's, it's almost like you don't see those moments anymore. It's almost like when you have stars to throw the ball to, you don't make as many mistakes because they can cover that up for you. Well, what's happened to Dak after the first game of the year? Yeah. You know, where when he was leading the league in every kid through 60 passes, and, yeah. and um, you, you know, Everybody was saying, well, what a great year. This over 17 games, this translates into, you know, what, a, what about, where, what happened to Patrick Mahomes? Where are all those people who were telling us that he was the second coming of Johnny Unitas, you know, in the last year? You know, isn't it amazing what happens when the, when the things around you, the elements around you, the forces around you change a little bit as a, as a quarterback? Is is Patrick Mahomes not as good a quarterback this year as he was last year? No, I don't think he's forgotten how to do it. Yeah. He is absolutely better than he was last year. They're asking him to do more. He's having to take more of the load this year, and that's what happens to quarterbacks. And, the, and you can go right through the league, and all the quarterbacks that had great, great years last year, not so great this year, and, and you know, vice versa. And – you know, so the quarterback is is the measuring stick, and it changes from week to week, season to season. But um, you know, I I like to listen to a lot of these guys on the, these these great analysts, right? That seem to really know what they're talking about. Change their tune from one week, one one year to the next when quarterbacks um, change. The, the environment around a quarterback changes how it affects that quarterback and consistency is the key is the thing that will separate the quarterbacks of today from all the quarterback other quarterbacks um, because they're going to have to play through thick and thin and they're going to have to put up good numbers when they've got a great team and when they don't have a great team that will be the measuring stick yeah and when you tell a quarterback hey you're four of the five guys that we had in front of you last year that that made sure you didn't get hit they're gone and we're going to have four new guys no yeah. matter how good you think those four new guys are, there's there's a learning curve that the like especially the Chiefs. That's what their biggest thing is. They change out almost their whole offensive line. Things are different. You saw kind of a preview of it in the Super Bowl when they had all those injuries. Now they have these new new players and they're not meshing as an offensive line, and it's to the detriment of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And then you have the old man, Tom Brady, who just keeps plugging <laughs> along. You know, <laughs> if Tom Brady has a knack for doing something very well, it's pick pick offensive lines and running games. And uh, he could not have handpicked a better team than Tampa to go to when he did. And and again, it's it's a testimony to the fact that quarterbacks are dependent on the people around them. And he's a perfect example of a guy at his age who can't move, can't run, doesn't have that that third option of running with the ball. Um, so, uh, you know, what's he going to do? He's just going to pick a, pick the right team with the right protection scheme and just stand in the pocket and throw the ball for another 10 years. Yeah, that that's true. And you said it one on one of our podcasts a few weeks ago. Most people make the the mistake of picking the quarterback first when you're building a team when really you should pick him last. 
Like that yeah. should be the last thing that you do. Like when you're building the team, you should build, you know, kind of build from the front back, but they kind of take the quarterback and go, okay, I hope that we can, we can do this because there's such a mad dash for them, but you can have a really good quarterback who doesn't wind up being very good in the league because, you know, you threw him into a, a situation that was not built for the long term for him. Well, by the time you get the team built around him, he's all beat up. You know, and he's into his getting ready to sign that big $200 million contract, but he's all beat up. And and you've spent those four years or five years. I mean, it was getting close to that with Dak. And fortunately, the Cowboys have been able to maintain that or, or, or reproduce that offensive line, that protection scheme around Dak to get into the second phase of his career while he's still healthy. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens too often. If you pick the quarterback first, he gets beaten up before you build the team around him. I'd rather build the team first and then put a nice, fresh rookie quarterback. Now you got five years and you just have to keep the, the lesser parts around him in force. And uh, you're going to have, you're going to have great teams for years. And that's where you get dynasties. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Danny, uh, glad that you're uh, on the mend. You, 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 you gutted out Lou Gehrig style last week, uh, you know, through through pain. I know that uh, you got a, a road trip ahead. Minneapolis, have you been to the new stadium yet? I don't know if the Cowboys have played there yet since they built it. No, yeah. have not. It's it's have not. it's fantastic. It. It's fantastic. I was there when they had the Super Bowl there. When they when I as a Cowboys fan I had to sit there and watch the Eagles win. It was it was kind of a weird night, but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I uh, but I was there. It's a great stadium, and you'll be there at a good time of year. I was there in February. Not a great time of year to be in Minnesota. Uh, October uh, Halloween night's going to be a fun one. And just, should- just barely. I'm watching that weather map very closely. <laughs> We're right on the edge there of going one way or the other. So hopefully, right now it looks like it's going to be a, a, a great great time of year to be there. Yeah, I hope you're there for autumn before it turns to <laughs> winter. <laughs> it's always a thing. Well, Danny, thank you so much. We'll do it again next week. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Have a great weekend, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.